Hello everyone, uh, this is Boots on the Ground podcast and I'm your host Diblex Lesalon. In this new episode, I'm so glad and really honored to be talking with Neville Agesa. Neville Agesa hails from the Kenyan Highlands. Despite this, he loves marine wildlife, a fact he attributes to watching National Geographic documentaries. He holds a diploma in community wildlife management from Kenya Wildlife Service Training Institute. After spending time volunteering in terrestrial conservation, in Meru National Park, Kitale Conservancy, and later Kolubas Conservation Diani, the call of the Big Blue was too strong, and so he drifted uh, to the beautiful uh, coastline. Never joined local ocean conservation as a project coordinator for Diani Turtle Watch in December 2018. He is currently involved in sea turtle conservation, an endangered reptile which he says that there are only seven species of them. Yet amazingly, a few people know about them and why they matter so much. Neville also does research, ecological monitoring, conservation education, and community conservation projects. We also talk through his journey, how he got started um, into the conservation, uh, you know, uh, career uh, back way back in primary school through wildlife uh, clubs. He also takes us through the smart tools that they use at Diani Turtle Watch to collect data. Uh, we also, you know, dive into the life cycle of a turtle and the different uh, kind of species of turtles found along the Kenyan coast. We also highlight the threats, uh, you know, facing these turtles and the efforts uh, Neville and his team are putting in to mitigate the negative impacts. Listening to the end of this podcast uh, to hear why the sea turtle is, fav- is uh, Neville's uh, favorite Animal. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something. Karibu, karibu sana. Hello, Neville. Hello. Thank you. Fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah. Fine, fine. Thank you. You are. Thank you, so, thank you so much for taking your time to join us this morning. Thank you too for hosting me on this day. Yeah. And looking ahead for great talks. Thank you right. so much. Fantastic, fantastic. We we will just dive right in into the discussion of the day. Yes, sir. And uh, could you please tell us your story from the beginning? <laughs> My story begins from Western Kenya. This is Kakamega County. I was born and raised in Kakamega County in a family of five. I studied in Kakamega County in primary school and also in high school, a local rural village school called St. Paul's. And this is where my journey began. At St. Paul's, I was, uh, when I joined Form 1, I was a wildlife club member. Then in Form 2, I was promoted to become the project coordinator for the wildlife clubs. Then in Form 3, I became a chairperson of the wildlife clubs in my school. From there, it was a great journey because we visited Nairobi National Park and Nakuru National Park on the same. And I had to learn a lot of wildlife and understand now why, how wildlife was. Yeah. So once I got out of uh, school now, I, so pas- I was so passionate and I wanted to do something for wildlife. So I had to advance my studies, and that's how I joined the Kenya Wildlife Services Training Institute in Naivasha to pursue a diploma course in uh, wildlife management. And uh, from there, the journey now, like the whole picture of conservation started coming on my mind. 
And I saw this was now the way to go. <laughs> yeah, and what, what drove your passion since you've said that you started um, way back in high school uh, being involved in the, the wildlife clubs there? What, what, what sort of, uh, you know, clicked in you to, to join uh, this sort of club uh, 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 apart from the other clubs, let's say environmental, debate club? Why wildlife clubs, uh, Neville? So, you see, like, when I was in the village, there was lots of things that was happening in the village. You see, like, every day you could find boys, we are making the catapults, the fantilli, and we could go out in the village to hunt birds. And so, through that, when I used to come back, I go to my neighbor's place. I used to see now this documentary, the, the, the National Geographical Documentary Films. So from the field, you've killed a bird, and you're coming to this place, you're seeing a documentary field, a person is now looking into this, caring, caring for these birds, and uh, you find, like, ah, I'm doing the wrong thing. <laughs> and through the watching the documentaries from time to time, now I started to becoming inspired. I used to watch a lot about, like, the... the, the terrestrial, like in parks, reserves, in private conservancies of Euro, people doing the conservation bit. And in my, in my hometown, I was doing the wrong thing. Like every day I'm out taking dogs, going and chasing after the squirrels and the hares in the bush. So, <laughs> so that is how the whole thing now came up and started watching the documentaries, gaming now. <laughs> Interesting school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting. And fast forward to now, you're working at uh, the Diani Turtle Watch uh, down there in Mombasa. Uh, Neville, yes. what, do you, what do you love most about your job as program coordinator at Diani, uh, Diani Turtle Watch? And um, when did you begin this? <laughs> so my journey back in, uh, you know, my journey started in the bush at first. I started my, my journey in Naivasha. You know Naivasha is a terrestrial land. From Naivasha, like in Kwisti Sanctuary, we have two sanctuaries. In Kwisti, we have the game farm and we have now the, 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 the lake part. So from Naivasha, I went all the way to the Meru. That is deep in wilderness. I was in wilderness, tracking after lions with the Bone Free Foundation, with wildlife, with the Kenya Wildlife Services, checking after the rhinos. Uh, from there, I left, I went to Nairobi. From Nairobi, I went to Mount Elgo National Park. I was in Mount Elgo National Park for one, two months, looking after the elephants and tracking them as they go through Ketum Cave, coming in to breed, all those. From Nair from uh, the mountains, I went down to Kitale Nature Conservancy. You know, Kitale Nature Conservancy was such a great place. Yeah. It's a sanctuary dedicated for conservation of deformed animals. And uh, nature conservation plus education. From there, I now traveled. Like, all this was voluntary work. From there, I now traveled down to Diani Beach. Diani mm. Beach, I was welcomed with Colobus Conservation Trust. Now, in my day-to-day -day work at Colobus Conservation Trust, after work in the evening, I could take time to walk on the beach. 
Yeah. And see, like, what is being done along this coastline? So as I walk, I was walking down the beach. Lucky enough, I met this young run down the beach, and I was shocked. What a tiny these things that are running down the beach. And I asked myself, I need to follow the tracks and see where these guys are coming from. So only to follow the tracks, I went and met, like, I just saw a hole. And I saw like hundreds and hundreds coming out of that hole. It was a joy. And now I decided now to follow them and see where they're going. And you can imagine the tide was high. These tiny creatures that are five centimeters, the baby hatchlings, they are so determined with passion, with energy. They're just going toward the tide and they are going, they're not turning back. Yeah. And that really fascinated me. And I said, this is a new journey that I have to begin. And when I went back to my room that particular night, I went down to check what are these turtles? How can I help them? And that is how the journey began. So I approached now the director of uh, Diani Turtle Woods. I asked him, what are you doing with these turtles along these coastlines? And he gave me the story on yeah. how we took the local guys, how we empowered them, who are the beach boys, the, like our monitors. So he told, he told me he empowered these guys. He took them from the beach, being fishermen, being beach boys, being curious sellers, now, and he sent them to Watamu Turtle Lodge, the, now the local ocean conservation, for trainings. Okay? Yeah. So, when I heard that story, I was fascinated in my heart. And I told him, I need to be part of the story. So, I, I left Columbus and went home for one month. And the passion was on me. I kept on calling and asking, how are the turtles? How are they? How are they doing? How is the project? Lucky enough, the following months, <laughs> he just called me and asked me, Neville, where are you? I told her, I'm at home. Told me, kindly, I need you down here. Wow. And that is how my story started. So I drove all the way from Kakamega all the way to Watamu, the local ocean conservation trust. Yes. I went there for a two months training program. And from there, I was now deported to Diani to start up the journey of conservation and putting the actual conservation aspect into place. And that's how it began. <laughs> wow, your story is really interesting. Yeah. And, it's it's curiosity and interest at the same time and uh looking what you looking back at what where you began and where you are now i think the, your story is a story of hope and it's it, it 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 just goes to show that with interest and with passion and with that little knowledge that we can achieve anything really and uh uh yeah. never could you could you describe how your typical work day looks like down there at, at the coast. Paint a picture for us. Yeah, so <laughs> my day is a good day. For real, my day is a good day. You can imagine, like, I wake up sometimes at night, I'm just asleep, and by five, 
the phone is coming in. When you go to read the phone, <laughs> it is a call from maybe a fisherman on the beach or a beach boy on the beach. He's telling you, Neville, your nesting female is out, is nesting, or I've just seen the track of the beach of your female has just shown up on the nest, on the beaches to nest. Yeah. I just crawl out of the bed with a joy in my heart. Though it's never easy at a point, you feel so tired, like you slept late, but it is the joy that you have in your heart that makes me and gives me the energy to wake up. So from there, I wake up, I take my tuk-tuk. We have our tuk-tuk that helps us to do, to cover the 31.2 kilometer beach stretch. I head straight away to the beach, depending with the location. Yeah. So on arrival at the beach, I have to do a beach stroll because I do like, I check between kilometers that I want to cover, then I take like a beach stroll. So you're walking down the beach, checking like on the highest point of the high tide. So you walk along that beach, checking if either you'll get a mortality or you'll get a nesting female. So you walk the beach, go as you check the tracks. Once you identify the tracks, then you're able to check if that turtle either nested or that turtle failed to nest or that turtle just walked on the beach and went down the ocean. And all this time you're, you're doing it alone or with the help of the beach boys? I'm doing it uh, with the help of the beach boys. Okay. So because it's a very long beach stretch and we, I can't cover that alone. So what I do, I just do like, I've divided into zones. I've divided them into zones. Yeah. But I'll oversee all the zones in a day. Like from eight, I'll choose between eight and one. I want like after every two hours, I'm checking each zone. I'm meeting this team on the ground, trying yes. to check what have, have they found for that particular morning. And through that, we can now correlate all the data that have been collected in a day. Okay. Yeah, from there, like that is now issues with the field work. We can check if now again, uh, that's checking on nesting females. Apart from checking on nesting females, you always do like uh, nest location site assessment. So that is something that needs to be done like every day because our nests are laid at different times, are laid at different dates, and we have to collect valuable data especially when it comes to how the nests are doing. You check if the nests have been uh, predated. Sometimes the dogs will show up on the nest, maybe at night, you never know. Yeah. Sometimes the, 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 call, the monitor lizard may show up on the nest. Sometimes that nest might be hatching today and there's some activities that are taking on that particular nest. So you have to make sure that like all these, you're getting them on time because at day 45 or at day 50, you'll find the sun starts sinking on the exact nest location. And that tells you there's an activity that is coming from underneath, this life that is coming up from down the soil. And that's an indication that baby hatchlings are hatching and they are coming up. So all these things, all these data are very important. Now, yes. from nest location site, I'll have the, I'll have in the, in the afternoon, I have to come back to the office 
And in the office, I'll have now to record all the data that I've collected from the field, from nesting, from mortality, from bycatch, and all those. So mm. then in the evenings, maybe we work like, because most turtles hatch in the evenings and sometimes at night, so you are just on a large. If anything emerges, you just come up maybe in the evenings. That's, I think, my typical day. And also some days, at least twice every week or once every week, you also do anti-poaching patrols. And this one is done now during the day after everything is done. So we choose like either that day we can either do nest visits. If we don't have nests that are expected soon, we just do the anti-poaching patrols. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that, Neil. And uh, uh, smart tools or technological tools that you use either to record your data, to, you know, monitor their movements uh, uh, along the beach. Uh, could you take us through that uh, in, in a moment? Yeah, currently at uh, being a project of local ocean conservation, we have we have uh, we have tools and we have apps that we've developed to help us now to monitor the data, like for nesting trends. Every day we have a nest app that we are using to record uh, our nesting activities, like recording the turtle crawls, like measurements. We are recording the number of eggs. We are recording. Uh, now the number of hatchlings after a nest has been relocated, there are measurements we take on the on the nests, like the top depth, the bottom bottom depth, the track, the the length and the width of the nest chambers. After the nest also has hatched, we always collect the total number of shells and the eggs that haven't hatched. We always collect very specific data on each egg. Like we just open up the egg, you check at which stage of development. Is it at an early developed stage? Is it at a late developed stage? Or is it depredated? Or is it just bad? So all these data, we collect them using the app. And the app has been very, very, very nice because it has now really given us insights. Uh, because once you key in the data, it's automated. And uh, we've interlinked the app with the Power BI the Power BI now helps us to interpret the data in a very fast and easy. Immediately you key in, you can go to Power BI, get the link, and you check on the data and the changes that are happening over time and over time. And through the, the app also we've been able to do the habitat mapping. So yeah. we were, like back in 2019, me and my team, we were able now to check, like, this habitat like the beach that these turtles are using, what are the current threats affecting these beaches? What, what areas are suitable and what areas are not suitable? So through the app, we've been able now to create like the nesting suitability maps. And from that, you can imagine we could get good information. Like we have only about 10% of the beach that was suitable, about 57% that was unsuitable, and about 18% that was uh, uh, had the potential to become suitable for sea, for sea turtle nesting. And through this, we are now able 
to come up with best management practices and informed about conservation aspect that we can use to protect sea turtles along the south coast of Kenya. So that's how technology is coming in to help. And also, at this time, I'm still thinking because yeah. technology is really developing every day. Mm. You know, being a young organization that's still coming up, yes, we face constraints and depending on others. So we are real, I'm really thinking up with my team, like on how we can maybe think up of getting uh, uh, geotrackers, yeah. like track how our nesting females are coming in and going out, like to get the feeding grounds, the mating grounds, and how far do they travel at the intervals as they come in and go out. And also I'm really thinking if, we can get guys who can help us to get maybe the how motion sensors cameras. Mm. They can really help us now to check on interactions like the direct happenings on when these turtles are coming out at night, especially when the turtles are hatchlings and uh, coming out of the nest. So we can interrelate that technology of motion cameras and we can relate that to our app or our phones so that we can be getting real-time data and also it can be really helping us to check the interaction between the baby hatchlings the crab or the interaction between the the the, the nest and the, their predators because sometimes you find dogs coming in sometimes you come in the morning you're confused because you try to track to check on the tracks they are not for the dogs you try to check for the cars they are not for cars yeah. You try to check for monitor lizard. So you are just balancing in between the three, which is sometimes easy. Like we are really thinking about that line. And also for poaching. Poaching is becoming a very big major concern now. And this is now really forcing me like to think about on how I can go about technology to put like private camera sensors on these sensitive areas so we can see who are these guys and why are they doing it? And if we can see if we can make a change and help these endangered species of turtle come to life. Oh, so yeah. that's what you're thinking. And that's how technology is coming in to help in conservation. Fantastic. And before Fantastic. before we talk about we the, talk about threats, the um, threats, um, you've mentioned poaching as one of the you know threats uh, facing uh, these turtles. Uh, could you take yes. us through the different species of turtles you you have there? Uh, their nesting period. What do they feed on? Uh, their habitat. How long do the hatchlings you know take to you know hatch? And you know all these different aspects that yes. uh, you know involve uh, uh, turtles there. <laughs> Cool. So this is, I'll take you through the typical day. You see, a turtle is a species that has lived in our oceans for over 100 million of years. So with the dinosaurs and everything, it's an evolution animal. So a turtle begin, life begins on the beach. So a turtle will show up on the beach to nest at night when the rate of predators is low and the rate of disturbance is low. So after showing up on the nesting beaches like a lost warrior, he will lay several clutches of eggs. Okay? Yes. So after laying several clutches of eggs, this turtle will leave the eggs on the beach and it will go to the ocean. 
after going to the ocean, these eggs, he'll never take care of the young ones because it's yeah. a unique characteristic of a reptile. Turtle mm-hmm. is a reptile. Yeah. So, like, and turtle nest about uh, four to five nests in one nesting season at intervals of 14 days. So if a turtle nests today, it will come back at 14 days, 14 days, 14 days later for four or five nesting times then it will disappear for two or three years before it comes back again to nest. After turtle has left its egg on the beaches, the eggs is either safe or safe, it will depend. So the eggs will remain to be incubated in the sand. And the incubation takes about 60 days on average. But depending on the temperatures of the surrounding, Sometimes when the temperatures are low, a turtle nest may take about 45. When temperatures are low, a turtle nest will take about 75 more days. Or when temperatures are low, sometimes a turtle nest will take about... uh, When temperatures are higher, it takes 45 days. Sometimes it comes as early as 45 days. When temperatures are low, the turtle nest might delay up to 75 days. Okay? Yes. Then, after this nest has hatched, the hatching from uh, the nest, it takes about five days. Because at day 50 or at day 60, these turtles, when they are under the soil, which is about 75 centimeters deep, they'll start their journey. So the topmost eggs will hatch first, the middle ones, then the bottom ones. And when the top eggs have hatched, they'll have to wait until the middle ones and the bottom ones have hatched. Once the bottom ones have hatched, they'll start pulling. So they come out mass in numbers, like the energy comes from beneath. So the ones that are at the bottom will start pulling. And the ones at the top, because the pressure is coming from below, they'll now again pull, start pulling towards, like moving upwards. Then, the rest will follow the trend until when they reach the surface. So when they reach the surface, it's a joy. These guys are just incredible. <laughs> and they remember they love to go into the ocean and they travel the ocean. So once they are reach at the surface, they'll always smell the ocean. And once they smell the ocean, they'll just start right away to run down the beach. Yeah. Yeah, once they reach down the beach, they'll be affected by a number of threats that I'll talk later, and they catch the ocean. Then, in the ocean, they travel to the open ocean surface. This is now where the biggest problem is, and we call it the lost years, between now age 60, when they are born, to 10 years. That is the lost year. We don't know where these guys go to. Because they're just in the ocean, once they're there, they go. They swim, they swim, they swim, they find a steady current, get into the current, and drift to go in the wild oceans. So that is age 60 to 10 years. Yeah. So from there, they travel to coastal, shallow feeding, benthic feeding zones. These are immature turtles. So this takes about... Uh, this takes about 30 to 40 years where we are trying, these guys are trying to move like go and go out in the world. 
And what do they so say? So they though? travel those years they f- as they feed between age 10 to age 50 years, 20 to yes. 50 years. So once they travel to the benthic f- feeding zones, now they are becoming immature. These are now the sub-adults. This, that's the time you're now finding them coming near the coast, like on the reefs. And So by the time they are 50 years age, they start now traveling to the breeding grounds as adults and bigger females. Now, on reaching the, the breeding grounds, they'll meet like a female turtle or green turtle will remove uh, some hormones yes. that will attract males to that breeding grounds. And for the turtles, the females are the ones that are polygamous. So when they release the, 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 the hormones, <laughs> <laughs> All the males will assemble to that point, and they'll begin a war for a for a ride. Yes, because <laughs> that's all the, they 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 try to 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 mate through mounting. So a war will begin, and sometimes even you find they fight to get a female until others even drown and die in the same process. Wow. Yeah. So. Whoever will, he will try to snuggle on the side of the female displaying courtship ritual. If a female accepts, then a male is given a chance to mount. When he mounts, he has claws on the flippers. The yeah. claws are very, very important because they help the male to attach on the carapace of the female. Mm-hmm. And this male will get the ride for about five days. They just, you can imagine... <laughs> five days is a long time <laughs> yeah just swimming with this male on the back going okay. coming back <laughs> that's yeah, really interesting then, yeah. <laughs> then they'll able now to unmount and then another male takes over after this one just comes down another one takes over and it will really help like you will meet several males and that one is very very important because it increases gen- genetic diversity yeah yeah sure yeah so you'll get like one female laying in one nest but at least it has gene of different males of that generation and what do in the feeding zones uh never so for the green turtles majority of the green turtles are purely vegetarian for the species you're seeing on the Kenyan coast, the, we have green turtle who is purely a vegetarian. is feeding on seagrass. Okay. Seagrass, a very, very important food for sea turtle. Yeah. Uh, for the hawksbill, they'll feed on variety. They'll feed on shrimps, squids, anemones, as, and also the sponges from a coral reef. And this one is very important as they feed on them, they really help in uh, coral reefs to regenerate and okay. grow. Then for the leatherback, the leatherback are majorly feeding on uh, jellyfish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And also for the loggerheads, you'll find them mostly feeding on jellyfish and crustacea, like crabs, etc. And how many species do we have there down at the coast? Down at the coast, we have five species within our Indian Ocean coast. Okay. 
but in Diani we have managed to spot about four species, which is the green turtle, the common nesting species in Diani Beach. We have the hawksbill turtle. It's not commonly nesting in Diani Beach, but it's seen in our reef because we have another program with the Olive Ridley Project. They're, they're trying to monitor the reef. Yeah. And trying to check on the population sizes. Okay. So then we have the Olive Ridley. And you can imagine for the period we've been monitoring, like for the last four years, this year, we were so lucky to identify two nests for the Olive Ridley. Wow. So at least you've now changed the books because it's just known it's only green and hawksbill nesting in Diani Beach. Mm. But this year we have a new species nesting here entered in our books. That's great. And we have the leatherback who is a migratory because we just spotted the other day, uh, the other the last year, our, the one that had died on the beach. So it's likely they are now migrating along our corridors. Fantastic. Uh, and what about the lifespan of, uh, of these turtles? Uh, how long do they live? From um, at 60, as you said, uh, yeah. how long do, do they you know, live in the, in the ocean? In the ocean, they live up to 90 to 100 years in, in their natural surroundings. Fantastic. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and breeding begins at 50 years of age. Okay. Yeah. Does this depend on the, the do the males uh, have uh, live longer than the females or uh, they it, it cuts across uh, all the, it, the it cuts across for all the species because but uh, now when there are lots of threats especially now the female will receive more threats as compared to the males. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Now that you've mentioned on the threats, Neville, uh, could you uh, kindly take us through some of the biggest threats facing uh, the turtles? Hey, as we are doing in Diani Beach, I'll start by the first and the biggest threat to sea turtles here is loss loss of nesting turtle habitats. Once you lose where your generation starts, it's gone. Rate of development along our beaches is alarming. The guys are coming up, setting resource, they don't care about species. And that is the biggest threat, by the way, we are receiving currently. Number two, we have predators. Predator, they might eat a baby turtle as it runs on the beach or in the ocean. We have the crows, you know, the Indian crows, the birds. We'll mm -hmm. always pick this baby turtles as they run down the beach or yeah. the water as they swim on the surface of water, some of them will pick them up. The crabs, <laughs> very notorious guys. They just catch the baby turtle, run down with it, gets into the hole and it pulls him inside, it pulls the baby inside. Then it only just cuts the head, eat the eyes only and just leave the rest of the body. <laughs> <laughs> Uh -huh. So it's just a race against time, man. <laughs> Though it's nature balancing nature, but sometimes it's painful, just like a guy cutting off your head and eating your eyes and leaving the whole body. Yeah, that's that's really bad. That's really awful. <laughs> awful, yeah. Once they get into the ocean, we have the sharks. 
and the fish and the big big fish they're always waiting for them and sometimes even you find like a shark has just cut a bunch of a flipper like the hind flipper or the front flipper and we've been having cases like this one you just go find a turtle is out brought out is losing one part of the body so yeah. that's a result of maybe shark bites what about now the human threat that's that's an animal threat so you see a difference but the turtle doesn't every day we do pollution our our pollutants are running from terrestrial down to the rivers from the rivers down to the lakes from the lakes now down to the ocean we have plastic bags and we have plastic materials as they run down the beach into the ocean out in the ocean there are things we call they form up piles that we call the ocean gyres and these ocean gyres what happens to them these are amounts of usual of plastic that are circulating our oceans so this 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 plastic doesn't decompose what it does it just breaks down to form tiny microplastics and these things these these species these beautiful species called the sea turtle they'll always confuse these plastic as food and they sometimes end up eating them yeah and also like the the the, the plastic bags they'll always confuse them with jellyfish and you'll find sometimes they have eaten them once they eat them they form a gi blockage like they have food system blockage once it's blocked no life can imagine mm. another thing we are having the now the fishing impact every day a fisherman goes out to fish yes he has no intention of catching sea turtles and uh, he wants fish but you know these are interleaving and intermixing species within a habitat so when he casts out his net you'll find this nest catching anything it finds on its way like dragging i think they use gill nets if net, all those types of nests the more the nets stay in the ocean maybe for days sometimes they do entanglement catching unwanted species like yeah. a sea turtle suffers the same and through that because a sea turtle uses the lungs to breathe though it's staying in the ocean and it comes out to breathe in less than a minute and uses that for about six to eight hours while it's underwater sometimes if it's entangled in these nets it can't get an opportunity to go back and breathe before it comes back so it's choked in the process mm. it suffocates and it might end up dying and also sometimes we find uh, hooks sometimes turtle may think like uh, the, the the hook uh, how do you call it? the bait yeah it's a hook, and they'll go for a hook and sometimes you find hook stuck in the throats and we've had these cases even when collecting mortalities for sea turtles and also we've had boat injuries out in the ocean especially from speedboats not speedboats the jet skids yeah and also speedboats and also sometimes from boat engines we have big turtles that are just sometimes it goes through a boat engine then the the, the, the carapace is cut into two yeah another thing we have the oil spills sometimes when oil spills have happened in the ocean it really affects lots of our marine animals mm. including sea turtles then okay. birds then we have pollution 
Now, we have very leads, metals and leads that are coming from pollutants, especially now from uh, our rivers that are draining into the ocean. Sometimes when checking on these habitats, especially on the feeding zones, you'll find a lot of turtles with these cases we call fibropapilloma. Fibropapillomatosis is a disease that is tumor. It's, it, it's a tumor that it attacks the softer tissues of a sea turtle. Yeah. And if you see this for sure, it's a very sad scene. Eh? You just find a turtle, all the soft tissue, they have tumors growing in them, the cancerous thing growing in them, it covers even the eyes, it covers everything. So this turtle just remains there, it can't do anything. And in the return, sometimes if you find the, the, the thing earlier, it's attended to, you can take it to local ocean conservation, they have a turtle rehabilitation center, the only one in Eastern Central Africa, then they can help. But if it's too late, we can't do anything, we just leave it for nature to take its course. Okay. Then we okay. have lots of nesting beaches, guys mm -hmm. are building up very fast and they don't care what remains for sea turtle. Uh, they don't do proper consultation, they don't check on proper requirements. So we are losing our beaches nesting very fast. Like you can imagine you only have 10% of 31 or 20 something kilometers yeah. that is suitable for nesting. Yeah. Then we have poaching for selling or eating. So guys, like last week I was so sad, moving around the bushes, only to realize collecting about 11 carcasses of sea turtle that have been poached. Like you say, they just poach the meat and leave out the shells on the, on the, on the forested areas of the beach. So the community are still eating them and they take that, like they're saying it has medicinal value, which is not scientifically proven. And also they're selling the shells to to make things like earrings and and the gifts, etc. And Neville, thank you so much for taking through through for taking us through that. And I'm curious to know uh, what sort of interventions have you put in place to mitigate these impacts, like you know, sensitizing uh, sensitizing the local communities there uh, to 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 adopt um, plant-based, uh, you know, uh, uh, uses of uh, uh, medicine, you know, uh, uh, instead of poaching uh, turtles for food, you know, things to do with pollution, um, beach cleanups, and, uh, you know, to reduce these plastics, you know, things to do with collusion, collision yeah. with the boats. What, what, what sort of interventions have you put in place to, to try and reduce uh, this, this, this negative impact? Number one, poaching of eggs was higher before. So we employed 14 monitors from the local community who can now go back to speak to them, who can work with their communities because it, it will now be easier for them to work with their community as compared to a stranger who just came from far. So we, we, we recruited 14 monitors whom we pay something. They do their work on part-time basis. They patrol the beaches like every morning to check Number two, we are doing education activities. Every day I'm out in the field, meeting with this, with this uh, fisherman, meeting with these community guys, talking to them, trying to give them an open mind and teaching them about how important these turtles are. 
And also we've come up with the nest relocation sites in Biani to address issues with the beach walls because all the turtles that are showing up in Biani Bay, they'll always nest in an area that is un un unviable. So we'll relocate all the eggs to this nest relocation site that are just located next to our beach. And we are now coming in and bringing in like those beach operators Whenever they have a guest, they can come at the nest relocation site, give a lecture to a guest who is on the beach. They don't touch anything, they don't do anything to a nest, but now they're the eyes. So they just get in the guest, give him the lecture, and they are tipped for that. Yes. And these guys are now feeling this is our thing. And now we are in a mission of coming up with a with a nest relocation site that belongs to these community guys. Like if they have an association like this is Bichuan, they have a team there selling their curios, selling their things. So we are setting up like, let it be their thing. Let them use that as a method of marketing themselves and uh, like selling out the idea about tattoo conservation in Diani Beach. And some of them they are picking up. Now we have, one major problem that is affecting us now that is poaching we are in a mission a very big mission we really want to conduct uh, turtle-led education uh, practices we want we are targeting to work with schools yes yeah we really want to we are still making the the whole thing you're not yet done we are just still on the initial stages of thinking how we are going to go about it then that is for schools then we want to work with also the bmus we want to give them education and another thing we are doing now we are creating best interaction practices that we want to put all along the beach so that anybody who is there can now see when interacting with these turtles what can you do we are trying to put very standard measures like keep a distance of three meters from a nesting female from a hatchling, at least to avoid those, those direct contamination because wildlife is wildlife, an endangered species and an endangered species. Because sometimes out in the bush they are preaching it, but when you come down to the ocean, it's not happening. Guys want to just touch animals the way they want, and they sometimes others are having chemical contamination in their hands from perfumes and all this, and when it goes to the ocean, it causes pollution. So we are coming up with best practices. We are also trying to reduce the impacts of light on our nesting beaches by reducing the number of lights, trying to talk to, to resorts and hotels that you're working with. And also we have a marine education center where we are best. This is where information center that really helps. Now, in, uh, if you visit Diani, we bring in students to the center and we teach them all about conservation. It's a very good center with displays. We do presentation with them. And now next, we want to do a reach out programs because also we want to reach out with the documentaries like local made documentaries to the immediate community or to the immediate resource users because from my assessment, I've really discovered like the immediate resource users, yes, their fathers knows because you're with them in the beach like daily. We have yeah. mothers back in the village, they don't know. So I want to develop such like an outreach program whereby I want to use social, uh, like 
documentary evenings to talk about sea turtles and allow like the non-formal like a question and answer session with this community, then you can come up with something better. And now the whole community will be part of us and it will help in informing sea turtle interactions. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. And I can't wait to, you know, see what you come up with, you know, uh, in that regard. And uh, Neville, how crucial have partnerships been in helping you achieve your vision down there at Gianni Turtle Watch? Yeah, it has been, uh, partnership has been the key. The first partners we're working with is the Kenya Wildlife Services, the guys in charge and mandated to conserve wildlife in Kenya. So we've been receiving regular support from them in terms of uh, prompt response. Like once we get all the information about poaching, about uh, the number of turtles that are showing up, we share with them. They've been very supportive, really helping us, trying to, to invite us for meetings and trying to make sure like we're working together to, for the common objective of CETA. Number two, we are working with the community groups. Number one is Musambuini Tatoos. This is a local CBO that is trying to come up to speed. We are trying to help them yes. to, to come up to speed. Then uh, we are working with local ocean conservation, whom we, they are, they are now our mother, we just their babies. <laughs> they are really trying to help us <laughs> with the technology, with support and with uh, anything they can to make sure that we are up to standard. Eh? Yes. Partnership is the key. We are also working with the Marine Education Center. So Marine Education Center is for the Sunset Nomads. They, they donated a room for us and uh, they, really, they are really helping us when it comes to fundraising. Like every year we have the Kenya Kite Cup on the beach. So they provide the venue, they provide the tickets and all the money that is collected from like the party that showed up on the beaches comes back to us to help us in, uh, in uh, turtle conservation. We also have resorts. Resorts have played a very critical role because they have given us spaces and also they have given security for all the nest location sites 24 hours. Because with, without, with, without the, the security, we couldn't do anything. And also like without the nest location sites, like things could have been in a mess. Then we have the community itself. The community is the key because without them, then we can't do anything. Because they're the first people who report to us the, the interaction because they're out in the ocean sometimes at night. The, the first people to see what's happening on the beach is them. And this is their home. So all, through all those partnerships, we are now able to come up and make this project a success. Now we also have schools. Schools are very important because they're now giving us the younger generation whom we can teach. Turtles should not be eaten, turtles are endangered species, and we have some good, great interaction with schools. And this is really helping us to change the narrative. And I know it's not easy, but I know the journey seems bright. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Neville. The, the journey seems bright, really. And uh, it's when we come together and put all hands on deck, we will be able to achieve you know, the conservation dream. And as we look to come to, 
As we near the close of this session, Neville, um, where do you see turtle numbers along the Kenyan coast in the coming few years? I see turtle numbers along the, the, the coast coming out in, uh, coming out like coming, the numbers will be increasing because now we are really combining efforts. You can imagine like at this point, I'm really working so hard in uniting all the turtle conservation groups in South Coast to come together, to work together towards a common objective. And like you can imagine, we have uh, uh, about five turtle conservation groups in South Coast, as we are speaking now. We used yes. to be the only one, and Msambweni, which was dying, I brought them to speed. They are now collecting very valuable data. We have Funzi, Turtle Conservation Group. They are now collecting data. We have Shimoni Turtle Watch. I'm the guy who founded that. I helped them to create the group, put them together. I took them for social services. They were registered as a local conservation group. And they are now doing. Now we want to promote now Apart from the beach, we want to promote in-water monitoring so that these guys from the community, they should not just lie on the beach, but also go down in the waters. And if we combine both data from the beach and in the water, we can check. From the beach, yes, they are there, they are early life. And in the ocean, they are going to stay there for the rest of their life until when death brings them back on the beach. So I see the numbers along the south coast rising once we'll educate, once we'll join hands together, once we help each other to come up and come up with a solution that are sustainable, especially through a community-driven perspective, not from just organization, like, like from an organization selfishness level, but through partnership and working together, I see the future for sea turtles as bright in the Indian Ocean. Thank you so much, Neville. And how can our listeners support uh, Diani Turtle uh, Conservation Work? Yes, we really need support. <laughs> <laughs> it's never easy. And uh, I have a voice when I was out in the bush. I don't know if you'll allow me to play the voice. <laughs> It will be great if I play the voice. <laughs> okay, then... go, go ahead. <laughs> so it's just a message that I was out in the bush. We have patrolled, we have patrolled Funzi beaches, doing anti-poaching patrol, and from the evidences of anti-patrols, we identified four green turtles that have been poached. Green turtles are in endangered species of sea turtles and we are here we really need support to really help us to curb the anti-poaching that is taking place within this corridor in a very fast rate so we've measured all the measurements for these green turtles and the majority of them have been measuring a hundred plus and even some of them have uh, we've got uh, they, they have eggs inside their wounds meaning the most targeted species here are the nesting fingers so with these four we've lost about We've lost a generation of sea turtles. So we kindly request for support to really help us continue with our anti-poaching patrol. 
And it is so great to make sure like the community are changing the perspective of watching this Wow, that was, that was a good piece. Thank you. So the support that we require as Diani Turtle Lodge, number one, are the equipment to help our work easier. Yeah. Equipments, because you're thinking of now getting up the camera traps that will help in uh, helping us collect data on uh, hatchlings, like the motion cameras. Number two, type of equipment also we require the GPS to help us. Number three, we require the, the boots on the ground. You know, this will motivate now our monitors to go out <laughs> and do long patrols, yeah. Sure. Yeah, then uh, another thing, we, we cover a very huge stretch. It will be so nice if we can come up with a, maybe a strategy whereby people can now come in to help us keep a monitor out in the field for long hours, maybe by paying salaries, because they are now being paid very little. And sometimes, you know, they'll always feel unmotivated. But if now we tell them we are giving you something better through this is your docket. We are creating this for you guys. So guys keep on donating, then they'll be able to keep more monitors on the field who are from the local, then they'll be helping the locals. And also now we'll see these sea turtles, you see like through regular patrol, through regular interaction with the fishermen, then these turtles, they won't be poached at all, at all. Yeah. Then in terms of, we're also running an adoption, a turtle adoption programs. So each turtle nest goes at 3,500 shillings. So if you love sea turtles and you love to see new life, we welcome your adoption and will be great because this will help a monitor like every day, go into the beach on time, relocate the eggs on time, monitor that nest until it hatches, collect valuable data that can be used now to inform about sea turtle conservation. So you're saying for only 3,500, someone can adopt a, a, a nest, a, a whole nest? A whole nest. And how many, turtles, how many turtles can uh, one, does one, you know, on, on average, does one nest have? They have between 80 to 150 eggs. Wow. Yeah, eggs. Which can be about 80 to 150 eggs. Okay. Yeah. So once you adopt, we'll share the information of your nest with you. We'll share a certificate of adoption with you and we'll be sending you regular updates of the work we do. And also we will invite you to come and visit us and see what we are doing down here at the coast. And do you, name, do, do, do you name turtles? Do you name them? For the babies, we don't name them, but I think we can now start naming them. <laughs> but once we name them, you know, it, it might go forever. It's never easy to trace them when they're coming back. Because we are also having another program for Olive Really Project. They are trying to identify sea turtles underwater. They yeah. are 
trying to identify individual species and they give you an opportunity to name a sea turtle too. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. So also it's a good way. We are also thinking of naming one as they go as they go. So in a year we can also now trace and see. So that's a suggestion. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think uh, we now call you to be the, the, the <laughs> now take you to be the ambassador of naming sea turtles. <laughs> I'll g gladly accept that, that offer. <laughs> okay, Neville. Um, uh, now that you, you, you've been working in the beach for quite some time, do you, do you miss working in the bush? I'm curious to know. <laughs> yeah, to be sincere, I've missed the bush. Though I'm in the bush, like when I'm going to the poaching patrols, you don't do it on the beach, you do it in the bush. Okay. <laughs> but but that's, you see, like the touch of the bush, eh? Yeah. You know, back in the bush, it's so, it's so nice. It's so nice because you see the variety and the interaction, the chairs and the running and the, <laughs> the sounds. And yeah. <laughs> so... So, by the way, for real, I do miss the boat, for real. And every time once I'm out of the coast, I go in the bush, by the way. Okay. Yeah, you'll find me every time I come out of here. Like yes. last year. Last year I was in Nairobi National Park. I was in Kakamega Forest. During yeah. my, my holidays, I also get time to go back in the bush and do something. And what's your favorite animal, Neville? What's your favorite animal? <laughs> My favorite animal is the sea turtle. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, I had made that guess in mind, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite animal is the sea turtle. This guy is very courageous. Yeah. You can imagine, he's very courageous. You are just a very young guy, and you don't care of any obstacle that comes your way. You are so determined, you don't care whether the, the, the wave is so huge, you don't care whether the beach, anybody is looking at you. You just proceed with the determination into the big wave. You swim with determination. You don't know where you are heading to because the ocean is fast and wide. You never know whom you're going to meet on the way, but when you're 50 years of age, you come back on that beach and say with determination, I've brought a new generation on this beach. Wow. Wow. So all this really inspires me and it really gives me the energy and say like, I can do it. I can make it. And I love the sea turtles for it. And I will do anything to yeah. make sure they are safe along the south coast of Kenya. I'll work with communities to make sure that they are conserved and also they have lived for millions of years and really need to make it live for billions of years to come. Thank you, Neville. And uh, Neville, your story is a story of hope, as I said in the beginning, a story yeah. of resilience from humble beginnings in Kakamega to now handling, you know, um, a species down there in the coast. And uh, Neville, someone might be listening to you right now and they would wonder how to get started in this journey. Uh, and as you're answering that, you can all also tell us what you want to be remembered for. Take it on, Neville. 
Thank you so much for that opportunity. Yeah, sometimes we just don't look down upon ourselves. Yeah, looking down upon ourselves has really demoralized us. Because for me personally, for sure, when I started the journey of conservation, I received a lot of criticism. Why are you doing wildlife conservation? What's for your area has nothing to deal with wildlife? After school, I went back to my uncles. They told me we could help you, but we cannot help you because you did a cause that we can't help you. And I said, like, what? What a hell? At the time, I went down and restructured and said, like, I must do something for myself. I'm not in for anybody. I'm not in for anything. I decided to close my ears and I decided to press on. So I've been pressing on, like, all the way to terrestrial, coming down. I've been helping guys establish some private uh, captive centers. And it's, it's just who you are, what you want to do, who, what is your destination, and how are you going to approach it? Are you going to approach it with ease? Or are you going to approach it with hardness? And what model are you going to use? Are you the person who is going to pull the people together? Because at this time, for real and for sure, I'm really pulling guys together. Wow. I'm really building bridges. Because you enter somewhere, you find guys are not connected at all. And they are not connected because of just ethical issues. I know the best, you don't know. I am the best, you are not the best. So you find such things like it doesn't... Uh, it, it doesn't uh, help at all, at all. Yeah. So it is a point where I'm just trying all my best to connect bridges and uh, to work out of myths, traditions, and come to realities about leadership. Okay? Yes. So leadership, it's never easy. It's never easy. Conservation is never easy. Yeah. You really need to go back to yourself, rethink about yourself. You need to be energetic and you need to be enthusiastic. Sure. Yeah. Without this, then you're not going to make it because you have to spend lots of hours out in the field checking on who is who, you'll receive lots of criticism, like you haven't done it right. Mm. You'll never make it right. Mm. But with time, you'll always realize you're making an impact. For real, I never imagined if I can go sit down, interconnect different guys to work, to, to work towards a common objective. But yeah. I'm doing it. And I can tell you, like, yeah, through that, I always feel like I... Kumbe, I can make it. You can find sometimes you're called even with the warden and asks you, hey, I need support here. I know you know this thing. Come on, come and help. Sometimes you give him information. He's like, what? It's you. It's you who did this. He feels so, you feel nice. You sure. Through yeah. conservation, you get good networks. You get to learn a lot. Patience is the key. 
you really need to be patient, especially when dealing with animals. Is just patient. <coughs> Turtles you, sometimes yeah. they take about two hours just to come to move. You just see them at the surface, but for the whole process to come from down and all of them move, it can take about two hours. You're just waiting and watching. Yeah. Then we have the issue of servant leadership. Wow. Servant leadership is something that is missing in us. It is until I'm paid, and that is the time I'll do something. Mm. No. Go do it. Mm. Be the bridge. Be the living bridge. I want just to be the living bridge. I'm the person who united this and this. It reached a point, like, you can imagine we have another group that is just working near me. Yeah. It is a point these guys who are like against. We were like moving against them. But I took an initiative, like going down to these guys and telling them, guys, listen, we have no problem with you guys. We are here for a common good. We are here for these species. Those guys were so arrogant at first because of the culture they had created in them. Mm. But when I went and speak to them, these guys, they called me just to tell me, Neville, where are you? <laughs> we really need to come and talk and make a reality. We really need to make and come. Like, let your dream become a reality. Yeah. And I'm yearning to go and meet these guys again, make the ball together, pull together. And this will be now the bridge of standardizing about five, six teams together for a common objective of conserving these sea turtles in South Coast. That so, is so powerful. That is so powerful. Yeah. yeah. So I'm building bridges for sea turtle conservation and I want support in this. I can't make it alone. I really need support. And also you should lead by example. Leading by example is the core. Don't go and just push people. You need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. No. Everybody is unique on his own way. Try to develop some good relations with them. Try to learn them. Let them know you. Through that, develop different models. You know, guys, we try to have an informal way of educating. But if you go the informal way, Believe me, you'll make great teams together. You'll make great achievement. On the end of the day, you'll make work easier. I totally agree with you on that one. What a guest. What a brilliant, brilliant conversation we've had, Neville. I can't thank you enough, really, for coming to the show and inspiring us and sharing your work with us. I really, I really appreciate Asante Sana for coming. Thank you, too, for inviting me. Looking forward for more conversations ahead. Looking forward for working together. Thank you so much, Neville. God bless you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, our listener, for being part of this great conversation. And if you love listening to this podcast, 
Remember to subscribe on your favorite listening app for free today. Please be sure to rate and review us. The reviews helps other listeners to find us. Let us also know what you like best about this podcast. And always remember that the conservation conversation is for everyone. Stay safe and stay blessed. Goodbye.